Yo, what's up? This is Toru, and in a way, so are you. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a music producer, artist, and entrepreneur. I make music for that space between the dance floor and the bedroom, which has been streamed millions of times and been licensed by brands big and small, including companies like Apple. I believe that regardless of what you produce, whether it be music, art, physical goods, or even spreadsheets, you have a process, whether you know it or not. To explore this further, I created the Producer Head podcast. Producer Head is a place to have conversations with other producers about their experience and process to share what works and what doesn't, to help each of us learn and improve our own processes along the way. Today's guest is Wei, a Brooklyn-based producer, guitarist, and purveyor of positivity. He's been playing guitar for over a decade and over the past several years released almost 150 songs. Yes, that's 150. On this episode, we dive into how he thinks about his catalog and the releasing of music, using existing songs as starting points for new songs, his experience at the Berklee School of Music, the importance of community, be it physical or online, embracing live performance as a producer. I even get his take on good places to start if you're interested in learning the guitar. This conversation with Wei really brought to my attention the lightness and enthusiasm that he brings to making music. He doesn't follow unnecessary rules nor take himself too seriously. This is something that stayed with me. I'm so free to hear this conversation and take in some new inspiration. By the way, Wei and I were introduced through Jacuzzi Jefferson, a mutual friend, and also the guest on episode one of Producer Head. So if you haven't already heard that episode, I highly recommend you check it out. That conversation with Jacuzzi had a lot of gems. Okay, without further ado, here's episode five of Producer Head with Wei. Good, man, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Producer Head. This is Toru, and in a way, so are you. Today, I am very excited to introduce guitarist, multi-instrumentalist, really, sampler, producer, soon-to-be singer and vocalist. Everybody, please welcome Wei to Producer Head. Thank you very much, Toru. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for being here, man. Um, all the way from, from New York today, yeah? Yeah, I've really found like a nice place in Brooklyn that I feel most relaxed. And yeah. Um, I'll be here for a couple of bits before I head to Greece uh, tomorrow, actually. Holy crap. Oh, right on. Well, thanks for squeezing us in. And... Not at all. It was very easy to free my calendar for you. <laughs> <laughs> very kind, man. So, dude, let's just jump right into it, man. Because for anyone who hasn't, I really highly suggest that you do type in this man's catalog on Spotify. And it, it goes for a while. You could spend a long time listening to nothing but stuff made by this guy. So do you know how many songs that you have out there? I did check just because I do like to keep track of it just because I have like this goal to reach. But right now it's 137 on Spotify. And so 137 is pretty good just, but I've been doing this for seven years, releasing music. So I do think that like, you know, over time you build up a discography and um, I just try to preserve like the emotion. Like I just try to like appreciate every single one of my songs because I felt that like the time and place like was right for every one of them. So I got to respect that. But yeah, like I'm hoping to hit 150 soon. So that's why I know how many songs I've released. Got you. And how did you come up with that? It sounds like 150 was a goal of some kind. How did you how did you arrive at that? Well, I don't really have the most profound answer for you, but I could say, you know, 150 is like the main size of a community that people can realistically have. So if I think of my songs as little like little little like younger versions of me or something like that, um, then I can have a community for myself of mu- like of music. It's just 150 songs, I think, really rounds out like my achievements i hope yeah that's what's up man i mean it really that's that's really cool that you have that much music out man and it i mean i'm really curious to ask you about kind of like 
your philosophy, your strategy, the way that you kind of think about releasing music, because mm. even though it's pretty straightforward to get music out there, all, you know, kind of ignoring a lot of other elements, that's a lot of songs. Yeah, it is. But I, I want to say upfront that, or hopefully this is upfront enough that like every, most of these songs have been collaborations or like maybe half of them. I don't know the exact proportion, but, um, and then also mastering engineers and such. So it is like really fun to bring people in and on the same project. And some people just like have blown me away with their talents, but yeah, I release music to give myself the feeling of momentum. And so if I do it every month of the year, then I have like a birthday every month in a sense, if you know what I mean. Mm. Oh, I like that, a birthday for the songs. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you have a, like a, a strategy that you're conscious of or you, do you think about a schedule that you're working towards? Right. The schedule and the strategy, I think, uh, is in as far as I need to have at least two weeks of Spotify editorials uh, submission because that's the main way I promote my music. But it's really cool to just like pair songs with music videos I'm pretty free about it just because I don't like to push myself in a way that like burns me out because I feel like the most sustainable way I can actually like keep releasing music is to uh, keep things rotating and not like try to do too much in too, like a, in one place, you know, and then kind of consume myself, saturate myself with a single project. But yeah, like, so my strategy uh, would be to have a lot of people that uh, respondent to me such that I have like the ability to like match myself to their challenge and to interpret like their music usually gets me a lot of songs because, you know, songs are only three minutes long most of the time. So I think that that's not like too much to ask for. Right on. Yeah. How do you, I think, and I'm including myself in this converse, in this, in this category, which is like, mm. I think there are a lot of people that have, you know, a lot of music on their hard drives, you know, that could be released or maybe, maybe Dude, it's I've not. Seen. Yeah. I've seen your catalog. I've seen how much music, like your workflow is very quick because it seems as though that has helped you like optimize the amount of music you've got, but please, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, you're good, man. And you know, I appreciate the kind words, I think, but there's a lot of music that many producers have on their hard drive that, you know, could be released and just doesn't get released for a number of reasons. And I think those reasons can vary, you know, between sort of like administrative and emotional and artistic and so on. So I'm curious mm -hmm. about how I'm curious about how you deal with those kind of struggles on your own and how you're able to let go of music. And maybe that can help other people feel more comfortable with releasing music more regularly. Yeah, I think that's an extremely valuable question because most musicians need to be able to express themselves in any way, shape or form. Right. Or that's like the pinnacle. That's what music is quintessentially. And if you're not releasing your music, to me, that's pretty frustrating because I'm like, yeah, I don't want to like, sometimes music is just for me and I get that. But at the same time, I love sharing people like all the things I've been thinking, like tell them about it, being communicative with my, with my art. And I think the main thing is, you know, you've improved this song enough. Now it's time for other people to listen to it. You know, you can just tell yourself that. Or for me, one of my strategies is if I'm working on a song for a long time is pitching it up or pitching it down just to hear it in a new way. Maybe then I'll be able to see like the frequencies that I'm missing here and there. But it also is just crazy to like listen to like the hyper pop version of your like lo-fi song, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Interesting. Right on. Um, let's talk a little bit yeah. about kind of like the, the different ways that you've released as well, because you've like, you know, of these 137 songs, some of them have been released, you know, independently, completely by you. 
Mm-hmm. And some have been released with a you know a variety of labels. You know, you've released with a lot of the really highly recognized labels in the space. And I'm curious about kind of what you've learned in that process. Yeah, I think it's really important to, you know, give, and I've talked about this thing uh, with my friend Jacuzzi Jefferson, who's an amazing hip hop guy who I do collaborations with, uh, but, um, and that you've done a collaboration with. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so like basically, indeed, shout out to Jacuzzi. Yeah. It's very important to like give your songs the respect uh, with a release that like, you know, matches up to how cool the the chord changes are, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that like releasing independently gives you all the power. It just means that there's a bit more responsibility in terms of like promoting it here. If you want to like get the most like monetary attention out of it, there's many ways you can do it. Sometimes it's just very nice to let a label like promote it themselves by uh, giving them a, uh, like a cut of royalties. Uh, I know some labels that give you like that may take 5% cuts for mastering, 5% uh, for like cover art. And oftentimes that can be a good situation for somebody who doesn't have a lot of resources and they want to like, so, or they want to just support the label by giving them a a continuing resource. But for me, I'm like, you know, I'm going to work with labels sometimes, but then also release independently so I can get the best of both worlds because I'm lucky to make that like many tracks, but I do feel like, yeah, just read your contracts, try to get as many second opinion, like multiple opinions as you can. And, you know, your music is your voice. So don't let people like shut that voice unless you feel like the advance. I wouldn't say take an advance, actually. I don't like advances personally, but just feel like the like the business is in your interest in every is as many decisions as you feel like is realistic or is practical or is advantageous for you in this. It is really like a situational thing, but I have like worked with amazing labels. So I'm very lucky in that regard. No spilling of the tea at, at this time. But I, well, I do think that, yeah, like sometimes like labels haven't paid me and that's not been uh, my favorite thing. So just try to like take control in that um, as much as you can and let me know if I could like provide advice to anybody that is in that situation as well. Like, I'm curious in the, when you do go the lane of releasing individually, have there been particular things, tactics, maybe marketing strategies, things that you've done that have helped you be more successful or just be more organized and not have it, you know, because it's, it's one of those, it's an extra job you have to do, like you said, and you also want to keep making music and releasing music and so on, right. Getting it out there and marketing it is, is part of it. So I'm curious about how you think about it and and what you've done that's worked well for you. Yeah. Well, I do think like uh, your question is when I'm doing solo music rather than collaborations, right. I would say collaborative as well, but I think more so the idea is that you're releasing it independently as opposed to with a label. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, like I'd say just like the TikTok sort of suite, the YouTube short stuff that's really actually helped me get like comments and thoughts on my music, but it does sometimes require like doing teaser trailers and stuff like that. But I think just in the situation, trust that whoever is watching this, they will, if they appreciate it, they will like, you know, receive it in a nice way. And I'm thinking musicians are mostly the chillest people I've ever met. So I don't think many people if like are going to be mad that you're posting your music online. I think it's really just like overcome this like like it's 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 an opportunity so you could take it if you want to like promote your music in this way and I think right now that's where people are having more genuine connections. So I'd say like whether in a community in physical space or like an online forum or like Reddit uh or like TikTok 
talk and such, I do think like people are craving genuine connection. So as long as you're vulnerable with your music and telling your message in the right way, people will see it eventually if you post enough shorts, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. And you kind of mentioned the connections piece, which I think is kind of an interesting thing to go into next for us, which is like, Mm. you seem to have done a really, you know, because we met and for everybody who hasn't already, episode one is with Jacuzzi Jefferson. And that's how we met was an intro through him. And so, because he's also based in New York. And so can you speak a little bit about the way that the impact that kind of networking in real life has had and like meeting other people and supporting other people in the community? Yeah, I do think it's like, Music is incredible because it is like uh, a facility that allows you to focus 100% on your desires or like make music and completely what you want as an individual, which I think every individual is an endless river of information and compassion and all this kind of stuff. But when you find other people's like other people like that, yeah, that's just amazing. And I like had moments in my college, Berkeley College Music, where I like just had like a singer friend of mine, like we're just like working on this this beat and like I come up with something and they come up with something and we're just stunned at like how music is so universally awesome and you can like learn a lot about what you like, what kind of like techniques you want to apply and you can get very technical with your friends that like know so much and so I'd say like encouragement from others is the huge part about community and this in this uh, music world and then also like Henry Tajfield from 1971, the psychology guy, uh, the psychologist said that the everybody basically needs to have a human connection in life. So mm-hmm. that's like the, you can feel like you're not like the most social, but at the same time, you like you trust the people that you trust, you know? So I just uh, have been lucky to find and have found techniques to find uh, music communities around the city and um, and in Mexico city, which is one of my new favorite cities. And I do believe that like, yeah, like electronic music is cool because it's on, it doesn't require internet most of the time, unless you just splice or other resources like that, but it is online when you want it to be. So absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it really, it's, I think the encouragement piece is so big. I mean, I think I know that so many people just like being able to meet them, whether it's on person or in line, Mm. um, in person or online has helped me so much, just like feel more connected to something and it's definitely helped me improve. How have you gone about, you know, you mentioned like sort of things that you've done to meet those people out there. You know, what, what have you done? How were you able to connect with people like Jacuzzi out in the community? Jacuzzi. Well, I I have to credit my like label associated act. Sonderhaus is the, is the name of it. Sonderhaus is a label that's in upstate New York. Kyle McAvoy, he's the proprietor of the label, a close personal friend of mine. He like hosts meetups. And that's a really dope ass thing because you can go into like this huge house and like, uh, it's a very online thing. So like find these labels through Instagram and, uh, you can go to like an opportunity he had set up, but going to upstate New York and just having producers in a room, everybody just having their own like amazing talents. And then you kind of fuse that thing, you know, how you would fuse a weapon in legend of Zelda, like, like basically the items you would make them stronger, like, uh, by f- combining forces. And I do think that that's been really cool. So Sonda House, I would shout out there. Uh, originally, like this label called Night Owl Collective. I mm-hmm. just found them on SoundCloud. There's like a lot of players that like, if you're in uh, a city, you might find somebody who lives close to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're like somewhere in a very open space, uh, I'm sure you'd like have like at least 
because a lot of these labels are huge. So you'll definitely find people in the community that live close to you. But I'd say like, just don't be afraid to like say hi and express yourself to people that you feel are cool in your life and influential and you'll thank yourself later. I would encourage anybody listening who's like kind of on the fence or maybe hasn't to really find a way to start putting yourself out there, mm. sharing your music and, and connecting with other artists because it really does, um, I don't know, it changes the way that things look and feel in my experience. Your experience you is correct, man. <laughs> How do you think about, you know, who or what may work well when you're thinking about collaborating on a song? Yeah, I like, well, I'm a guitarist mainly. I think it's good to work with people that play piano. I think it's good to like work with people that it's kind of tough because it's good to work with people that are also the same instrument as you. So you can see like the micro, be the micro macro differences you guys have. I'd say look for a contrast and then try and see if that could be helpful. A lot of people I just really resonate with. There's like no way to describe what uh, some people's music do for you. Mm -hmm. And so like, for me, I just feel like the sensation, like vibration in my chest. And I would say like, I'll find those people that communicate that. But yeah, like for me, I'm more of a guy that likes intricate details in music, jazzy chords. And so like, I'll just see about people's Instagrams on Spotify and I'll just like see if they're like somebody that would be interested in my music and then reach out perhaps. But I do think like, just find your influences and find your like people that like inspired them and see if like it's a there's an appropriate dynamic but i just think that like music connects all and it's not the platforms that connect mm. like as much as music basically i like that it's the music and oh. it's interesting i mean so it's it's cool because i feel like what you just said kind of it includes like definitely like a logical element to it like does this make sense but also it sounds like at the core of it, there's really a paying attention to the feeling that you get from other people's music and letting that kind of guide you towards what could be fun or interesting in terms of collaboration. You're right, man. I do think that like uh, there are two sides to it. There's like a like a maybe it's a left brain, right brain thing. But I think that there's two like and this is kind of spiritual. I do think that there's two sides of yourself that you're serving, like the emotional and the rational and you need to be able to contain both in the songs that you want to like hold up on your discography i think what do you think are some things we could do to be good collaborators i think yeah just being honest with what you can provide and what you can't or what you think you can reasonably expect and then also like just listening a little bit more to what like for me, I think when I'm listening to the other person talk, when they're explaining their choices in music, it's very, it makes complete sense almost hundred percent of the time. And maybe when it doesn't, I'm being an artist. So maybe that's my choice. And maybe it's, it could possibly be better for a given like, you know, beat idea here or there. But I think, yeah, just listening, being honest. And then like the timeline, cause we do move through time. So it's important to make sure the scheduling is okay. Speak less, listen more, be conscious of kind of timeline and real world things and, and be honest. I mean, it's... Mm -hmm. yeah, like I think say less, although I don't usually say that phrase is like, <laughs> I think it means like total agreement or something like that. Like, you know, mm. right so on. you want, yeah. And I feel like you're a good collaborator because you're like, uh, you wanted to make, uh, make sure I had the right guitar take. And, you know, making like all these like motifs that come out naturally out of the chord progression, like they can 
be recorded and have their place because they came out naturally. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, that just speaks to, you know, I think I am aligned on some of the things that you described, which is just like, I think it makes sense if you're going to work with somebody else to, and I forget who said this, you know, but when you, when you bring somebody else in, you bring them in to be them, right? Not mm. to be you. So, yeah. or anybody else. So when you do do that to just give them kind of the, the time space that they need to do it, you know? So, because that, yeah. that's sort of the whole thing is that you can get things with other people that you can't get on your own. And sort of that, that's sort of where the, the kind of like mystery and the fun kind of exists. Working with others is like the best way to feel encouraged and to make your own solo stuff even better. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think like, that's, I just want to highlight the point that when you want to make this your business, it's kind of tough to like not view it as a competition because there's numbers and such, but got to make your collaborations and an honest exchange. And that's going to contrast with this business thing, which I don't think is healthy for music. It's more about connection rather than the addiction to business. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really interesting point that you just brought up. Can you talk a little bit about how you think about balancing, you know, those kinds of two different sides of the brain or, or parts of the the industry, if you will? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it's important to be honest with your uh, collaborative partner about what strategies you feel like are appropriate for the song. Mm-hmm. And if they agree and leave them the space to agree or disagree, because um, some people can be intimidated by such a business-like tone. But I do think, you know, like it is going to you hopefully finding the best place for your art. So I think on my solo stuff, I can be uh, more brave in indie, um, sometimes. And like, I think your solo stuff is a great stomping ground to test your strategies. Um, and then working with collaborators, you can also do something else. Like when you're working with a vocalist, you can get on a different label or something like that, but it's yeah, hopefully the community of the label and their aesthetic and the artistic elements that bring you there and you and your collaborator have to know each other's contract. It's like basically a contract, but just in like the whole collaboration, like, Mm, yeah, that's an interesting distinction. And yeah. I guess also, you know, in a more general way, how do you think about and like, you know, kind of maintain your your health and perspective around kind of the quantitative elements that are kind of embedded in our music mm. now through Spotify? Because it's not necessarily a social media platform, but it certainly embodies some of the characteristics of one. And I think that changes the way that we consume music and it it definitely changes as a result, the way that we make it, I think. And so I'm curious about how you think about it. Right. And I'm curious about how you think about it too. I think for me, I've just kind of lost all these like numbers. They don't mean sheesh to me in terms of like, yeah, I want to hit high numbers, but at the same time, like I'm not going to view these numbers as evidence of the music because Mm -hmm. like, there's some good songs that get like really a lot of streams and I'm not going to love like the songs just because they have a lot of streams. Uh, so I think that like over time, as you get more successful, I think it becomes easier to not like think about it too much, but yeah, I just think like talking to musicians and the social media aspect of it, it's interesting. You highlight, I feel yes. Uh, Spotify is social media, but SoundCloud I think is much more wholesome in its social media because you can have comments and usually they're positive. Just hear what people have to say, not what like the stream count is, because streams are not not even likes. Like it's like there's already like a communication gap between like what's actually happening on that on Spotify as a platform and Apple Music even more so, I would say. Loaded question coming your way now. Describe describe your sound. My sound. 
I think it's like you're you're traveling on an electronic cloud that's like sometimes pixelated and sometimes has like beautiful like tapestries coming off it. And it's like a calm cloud that's going to tell you it's all going to be okay, but then may turn into a thunderstorm and have like a dubstep vibe in it. But mostly jazz guitar. Like I'm sitting on like a throne on the cloud and I'm playing jazz guitar. Gotcha. So a royal cloud that changes with the weather. Yeah, I think the weather... I've made a lot of songs about springtime. I've made like, I think I'm not inhuman. I am subject to change. And I do think I should respect um, everybody during those times. And I think that like, I should be honest with myself, what things are bolstered by me changing my mood and what things are not. And I think I'm always like trying to just write reminders for myself and my music. And so I like Mm. will achieve and learn these lessons and I think I'm very chill as a result. Um, I do think that like music is about um, journaling for me. And sometimes it really does include some really cool hip hop vibes. And sometimes it can have some crazy sound design that I really enjoy like future bass, electronic, neuro bass, like all those kinds of music that like really like you could work out to, but it's like incredible sound design. Like, yeah, yeah, I hear you. So did you, yeah. when you started this project, did you, have that sound in mind? Is that something you're like, that's where I want to go and I'm going to go there? I do sometimes use the same massive presets as in 2016. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think, yeah, like there's some stuff in music that you just really love and you've loved since maybe middle school, like three years old. I don't know. Like I'm sure uh, Toru that you have that like history with yourself, like, you know, getting into rock, starting off in rock. Like there's always that emotion that like, paramore feet like gives and it's just like dope you know and like mm. i th- i think like i've managed to really find like a palette of sounds that i love but i'm always expanding it because sound design is pretty like easy to like make something that like sounds like pretty groundbreaking to you at least and i had some image of that and i think my sounds are kind of based on my personality so some of that hasn't changed yeah gotcha and you i did that's cool i didn't realize so those that don't know yet you are a guitarist kind of first and foremost and so you you just said did you start out in rock yeah and um like i i did do like the high school rock band i did like that whole like way of learning like slash iron maiden like that's how i learned how to play guitar and i do think i will always have a soft spot for that and that's why i like kind of hyper pop for example because it has rock elements occasionally but then also like crazy electronic bleep bloops you know, music is all about evolutions. Like, and if you can journal that by making music, then you can really document how you are actually feeling in an accurate way. So sometimes uh, when I bring out the distortion, that's when I'm getting nostalgic. Gotcha. So you just yeah. mentioned what Guns N' Roses and Iron Maiden. Are there any other bands or guitarists that kind of come to mind as an influence, you think? Yeah, uh, I would say this band called Blackstone Cherry. They were more of like the Southern rock, Leonard Skinner, except heavier kind of variety. And uh, that was really, really awesome. This band called so Blackstone Cherry, that was the heavier side. The more jazz side was the Reign of Kendo. So Reign, like a King's Reign, R-E-I-G-N. And Kendo is K-I-N-D-O. And yeah, they I was able to see them live and... They're very similar to Hiatus Coyote and Moonchild in that they inspire such a huge cult following from their audience. And uh, yeah, you know, we're standing on the shoulders of giants a lot of the time with our influences, but 
I do think making a unique sound isn't uh, impossible for anybody. And yeah. is there somewhere that you're going with your sound in particular? Do you have another destination? I think I'm waiting on the train to get to more vocal-oriented music. But um, yeah, it would be nice to sing for myself. I'd love to have that uh, because I have done that before. Uh, and I've been a little bit more shy with, with my production and singing. But I think everything sounds the way it should. And that would be cool. But yeah, just more music maybe less in the like the laid back sleepy lo-fi territory unless i'm feeling particularly meditative but i do think that like energetic like huge bass kind of like how skrillex is making like some heavy stuff and making a huge comeback right now there's uh, quite a few people i would say but like just a little bit more energetic music that just shows um that you can run to and that you feel like you're at a good pace gotcha that's cool man so just kind of expanding and I, yeah. I'm really curious to hear, as we talked about before, I'm really curious to hear about how the vocal stuff comes out. Thanks, man. I'll keep you updated. Um, yeah, I do have like a little bit more knowledge of how my voice sounds. Just because it's pretty, like the way it vibrates in my skull is obviously different from the way people would hear it. But I think just like being aware, the awareness of my voice will help me. And then I'm uh, on a side note, I'm also working with this cool jazz pianist guy uh, called Owen, and he is like making it like a really cool jazzy side of my music as well. So yeah, expanding. Uh, I'm sure you have similar plans, Toru. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I definitely, I, I definitely share some of your aspirations to to find a way to work with some vocals more. And down here in Mexico City, I have been fortunate enough recently to to meet a vocalist who I think can help realize things that, that, that I can't on my own. And so that's been kind of fun. So still really early stages there, but yeah, I, I definitely think that, I don't know, it seems like there's maybe some parallel here. Like, you know, I think there's a little bit of aspiration for me to be, to expand as a songwriter as well. Yeah. Cause you so, did mention you gave that vocalist lyrics of your own and that must've felt awesome. Yeah. It was definitely a vulnerable moment, but it, it also, I think, it was a pretty, pretty cool experience to show somebody something like that and have it resonate with them pretty quickly. So that's, mm. you know, I'm definitely going to keep, keep going with that and see where it, see where it leads. I think it's just, whether it goes anywhere or not, I think it's just, it's an, it's nice to be working on something different just to see what happens. Right. You're practicing your skills. You're seeing your skills be envisioned um, in a way that like, like you say, you can't predict necessarily, but I'm sure it's going to feel right. And yeah, I think that's the amazing thing about in-person collaboration as well is that you get that instant gratification of people's reaction rather mm. than like musical chess, sending it online, which is fine. And it's amazing. But yeah, like it's lovely to collaborate with people in person. Yeah, it, it definitely is. It's just there's no substitute in my in my experience. So mm. tell us a little bit more, man, about like, do you have some guiding thoughts or principles, ideas about the way that you approach producing? Yeah. I'm not somebody who makes something too repetitive. I think that's pretty clear in my music. And I do think that like, when you like settle into a routine, it does have a, like a feeling of comfort. But my larger thesis is that human life and music are pretty much represented in each other. And so I think that like, uh, when you're making a drum beat, for example, it, it could exemplify somebody walking if it's a slow beat, or if it's fast, it's like you're you're running like I used earlier as a metaphor. I think that like if you can make something novel and exciting, it will show people that there's a new possibility to their own experience. 
And um, those are some guiding thoughts that I try to imagine what like a piece, like a melody could be a bird flying through the air or like the leaves uh, crashing with like a strong wind. So nature is a very inspirational force and just the sheer variety of things you can do should make anybody excited. Hopefully not too anxious because it, it is like scary to have so many possibilities with music production, but once you find your own workflow that will give you a structure and then you can start thinking about experimentation from the things that you found that you like. Yeah. And how would you describe your workflow? I mean, I can certainly appreciate it probably is not exactly the same every time, but generally what would you say you do? Yeah, I want to say, and maybe this is giving away too much of the source, but what I do is I, I do make a lot of my songs from my previous songs just by sampling them in like uh, an auto sampler. It's like a slight, like the quick sampler in Logic or the simpler in Ableton. Mm. You already love these sounds. So it's really cool to just like pinch and pull these and like mold them into a new place. And mm. so like using my previous songs as a sample, I really enjoy that. A lot of the time I'm trying to get like a nice chord progression going before I have a beat. And so that's my general workflow, but yeah, on Logic, just throwing anything at the wall, as many ideas as possible to like make this sandcastle before it dips into the ocean. Mm. And if you can, then you make something solid, something that cannot be broken, something that is uh, incredible to you. And like I was thinking, like a sort of child, a community member, uh, like a spiritual object. I love songs, you know what I mean? Well, that's really cool, man. I really like the idea of using things that you've already made yourself that are that are complete because it's sort of the idea that they're like never done they're kind of morphing and changing into these new things and it's sort of a nice it's also a nice very green policy you know no waste so i think that's pretty cool to start recycling ideas as a way to to keep going you're totally right and i think that like maybe it is um yeah yeah your 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 way of like uh phrasing this is perfect it's very important not to waste any idea. I think it's it's good to trust yourself and to think that like you can do anything with music, especially when it comes to understanding yourself. And um, yes, it's a never never ending journal. Um, you know, I I don't really like believe in like religion as it's set forth so far, but I do think that things could happen when you're finished and you, when like after death. I do think that like possibilities are still endless. So. I want to think that my music can like have a constant Phoenix cycle and just rebirth all the time. Like I kind of want to shift a little bit to education because I think you're just an interesting <laughs> story. And so tell us a little bit, cause like, you know, we've already kind of mentioned that guitar was sort of your entry point in the music. And so I'm curious about, you know, one, how you went about learning guitar and also how you went about learning production. Yeah. So I started off with lessons at guitar at 12 um, for guitar at 12, uh, years old, and I'm 27 now. And I think that like, just having some sort of mental figure was really important, especially not to, yes, music is amazing for your private time, uh, to like express your own emotions, like serenade yourself. But I think like having this figure stop me from getting intimidated by music, help me to just like run some opinions by him. Like what would this lick sound like if I did it like this, or if I bent this string, is this a good idea? So it's kind of like skateboarding when you're in a controlled environment so you can learn a bit more. Jumping down three stairs, you'll understand what it's like to, to land the trick or to bail, basically. So like having somebody to at least bounce my uh, guitar learning off was great. Eventually, I had some like uh, like a whole suite of teachers like as I became a teenager, but 
I just decided over like hanging out with my friends, like enjoying music with so many people playing in bands that like it was the thing for me. So I auditioned for Berkeley and luckily got in. And um, then I turned towards electronic music through that. And I'm not sure. I mean, guitar, guitar first. But, you know, you've you find that these uh, these like musical things that you find that like all these musical interests that come before you have their own like interesting things that you just feel motivated to learn so i was making beats until like 6 a.m like in my first couple semesters like just getting addicted to the game of music and to see like what i was capable of so i'd say that like just follow the progression maybe push yourself a bit more if you feel like you want to like play at a faster tempo and music is always like good to just share with others because i feel like that's my like cure for stagnation and you know, when like you've talked about your vocalist friend or like your friend from Atlanta, I think that like there's so many people that will help pull new muscles into into flex. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned a really interesting moment there. I think it, it was related to maybe when you started taking guitar lessons back in the day. Mm-hmm. And you had said to stop being intimidated by music. Can you speak a little bit more on that? Yeah, I mean, like we have our preconceived notions. And I think that when before I started learning guitar, I didn't even know that you had to press down your fingers to make it work. I just Mm -hmm. had no conception of what it was like. And so I basically like on reputation alone was just like, it's cool to play guitar. My mom trusted that one liner that I came up with. And then I eventually actually got into it for real instead of like having a superficial like for it. And then so that's really a beautiful thing. But at the same time, like, you know, there's so many guitarists that are really fast that are faster, like than me at playing jazz, chromatics, all this crap, which is good crap. But at the same time, like, and it's amazing some of the time when you express a thought using the amount of words in a melody that like you needed at that time. Um, but I do think that like um, the only way you're going to improve and trust yourself and listen to yourself is by being calm instead of angry uh, about like other people's like different experiences, which you don't even know, like, a fraction of basically correct me you know as needed but i'm so like intimidated by music is sort of this like thing that essentially blocks you from maybe participating in some way it definitely doesn't feel okay to have that feeling because i know that feeling and i think that like uh, a lot of these labels have this era of exclusivity that also creates that some people and so like people are entitled to their privacy i think that's a good thing but and no buts about that. It's it's important not to like be discouraging when it comes to music because the stream counts are not like they're a nice objective form of people like engaging with the song, valuing it in some way. But I just don't like think it's a healthy mindset to stop other people from feeling out their feelings um, because uh, music is like a, such a, a wider community. Art is a bigger community above perhaps above that. I think music is just like all encompassing, but humans, humanity, uh, I think it's all like connection and intimidation is not chill unless Mm. it's like in self-defense. And I feel like that's uh, not like, I try to avoid those situations. Like the intimidation or like, you know, discouragement. I mean, I think it's a pretty natural and like common thing that people experience, whether it's in music or, or whatever, you know, kind of work you're into. And so do you have anything like when that, when you notice that coming up for you, are there things that you do to help remind you 
or to continue through and not allow it to stop your momentum or progress? Absolutely. And I think, yeah, yeah, it's a very relatable uh, feeling, but, you know, I think music is one of those places that you can find just true connection and a lack of intimidation. But yeah, when I see myself being like, oh, I'm jealous of this person that I, I need live this skill. I like, why, why am I not good enough? Or why am I this? It, it's not like too helpful to put too much pressure on oneself because that won't inspire change. But then use these jealousies to like find any sort use them as a compass to find what you want to improve on. But like, mm -hmm. just imagine that these people had a lot of fun practicing what they practiced and they're holding up the same tent as you. So I think trusting yourself to like achieve what you want to achieve and then also appreciating that others are inspiring you towards that. That's cool. Yeah, I, I like the idea of looking at people who maybe have a technical ability that you don't have and understanding that it was something that they spent time cultivating and that you can use it as a directional point and you can work on cultivating your own version of it. I think that's a, that's a really cool idea. Absolutely. You're totally right. And I think, yeah, just like even knowing what it takes to ma maintain my guitar performance, like, and that's even before you get to the improvement, like amount of practice that you need. So I think that like, that's a good thing to keep in mind just because I've seen so many cool instrumentalists and like, I don't want to fall into the trap of thinking that they don't feel their music. I think that that's just reductive and people may think that about me. And if I kind of inspire that mindset, then I'm not really achieving my purpose, which is to make people feel dope. You know, man. Yeah. I feel like you spread some positivity through your music. I love it. So oh, you, you definitely do that. And you know, people, may not anticipate levitating but they will <laughs> i appreciate you man so you know you mentioned berkeley and like you know it's so cool that you got to go there and i'm wondering you know for those of us who aren't going to have an experience uh like the environment at berkeley if you could share maybe maybe some of those gems that are that are nice takeaways and things that people won't get to see firsthand yeah i do think the moments um there were a lot of moments in berkeley and i do think that's that was really like amazing to have like the studio sessions that they had and like those sort of resources, but you can record really amazing vocals in your bedroom. So I don't want to think that any of these musical institutions are gatekeeping because there's certainly a lot of um, controversies that arrive from these institutions, but yeah, putting myself in touch with people that I looked up to uh, learning electronic music in a way that like motivated me because I had deadlines to meet, making beats, making samples, scoring movies, Try and score some movies if you can, if you're an electronic musician, I could be interested in that because I think, or anybody, right? I think it's amazing. And then you're like basically making a music video. I, yeah, there's just like so many thoughts that could come out of you in that situation. And I like took my hand at scoring just like a, a Miyazaki film, like Totoro. And like, just for like a few minutes and it like, I don't know, I gave my own perception of the film like a whole new take. And I think that, that would be a cool thing like that I would say I practiced a lot in uh, Berkeley as well. Really cool. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like two big things are the organization, just learning to be sort of professional because eventually yeah. that's going to come in to just fulfilling your own deadlines and releasing music, but especially when you start collaborating and working with other people, whether they be artists or labels, et cetera. And then I really like that, the, uh, the idea of scoring, because you don't need, you know, with the availability of any video at this point, you can really, that's a great idea to kind of practice scoring things. And I don't know, I'd imagine there are a lot of people who are producers that that aspire to 
to score for maybe an anime or a film or a TV show. So that's that's really cool advice, I think, in terms of exercises and challenges. You're right. And I think, you know, TikTok is a visual medium. And if I purport to view these things as any, like a way for you to deliver your work, then it's helpful for people to see what you've done and then how you can turn those interpretations into music. Because people, I think, understand visuals a bit better than they do music uh, in day-to-day life. Um, so yeah, just like that's a new comfort zone that you may want to like try to consider. And there's a lot of cool string plugins out there, like Spitfire Labs. I would recommend like yeah, Spitfire Labs in general is pretty unbelievable in terms of being able to have such high quality sounding free resources. So yeah, if you're listening to this and you haven't used any Spitfire Labs, highly recommend you go check those out. Indeed, only uh, amazing recommendations here. <laughs> I don't so. Favorite concepts and or theory you'd like to share that you feel like are helpful when it comes to maybe making beats or writing songs? Yeah, I'd say it's really important to like the recycling thing I think is really cool because like this, like eventually no limit that you can like bounce something as audio, like, and then pitch it down and then chop it up and it may like still fit in the song. For me personally, I think like having something that has movement even without a beat is really cool like having a nice chord progression that has a good rhythm to it and then letting letting the beat like occupy its own like amazing space without like needing to compensate you know mm. but it really depends on the song for that but um that is cool and then like maybe waiting until like adding the bass as well because i think the bass is such a powerful instrument and it really for me i don't have like something in unless i want it to be i'm very intentional about like uh, the functions of my music, I think. So yeah, just like see how much you want to add to the page, basically. That idea of, you know, recycling even within the same song or for to create a new song is such a, a cool idea because sometimes I know that for me, I'll, I'll be stuck and I, I feel like I need to write something completely new that's not there yet. Maybe it's mm. a new chord progression, a new riff, whatever it happens to be. But the idea of just being like, well, you already have all of this. How can you just repurpose it what happens if you flip it, like you said, transpose it or chop it? That's a pretty interesting place to start. And then just keep yourself in motion while you're while you're trying to produce or write. Keeping yourself in motion is the key to it. Um, because music is like a call and response, and that needs a bit of time to like play itself out. And um, yeah, like flip it in any way, like try flipping other songs if you feel like you want to like stretch your legs in that regard like remixing other songs can also help you feel like you're inside the song with these people like if there was a picture of the band that wrote it you're also in that picture <laughs> like that's a cool visual that's really cool you know with all your guitar experience i know that there could be producers listening to this that maybe have dreams of, of playing the guitar or working their own guitar in if they're just starting out you know what are you what do you think are some of those kind of foundational things people should be thinking about or what are What's those like one to two, three things that you think you'd be like, go work on these things and, you know, you'll be in good shape over time. Yeah, I'd say like it's really cool to use looping devices because then you kind of uh, start to see yourself as a band or mm -hmm. get used to writing multiple parts for like a single piece of music. Um, because, you know, as a guitarist, a lot of the time we're just solo instrumentalists sitting in a room playing one voice. 
So looping is really cool. I think in terms of like recording guitar, it doesn't really require all the bells and whistles. People haven't been like, wow, Will, or wow, Way. I, I really feel like you should have recorded this guitar through an amp in this song because it would have just been better. Like nobody's saying that to me. I think like since I do all my stuff DI, mm-hmm. um, with almost no exceptions, I can't even think about any exceptions, but like all the bells and whistles are only there to help you. They're not there to harm you. Don't let gatekeeping like stop you from improving because major seven chords are cool. All these jazz, jazz changes can be intimidating, but when you use them, they're fire. So it's like... Mm-hmm. Just take the positives and my motto is count your wins. So just like, yeah, just like only use like equipment that like does the job or like pay a little bit more just so you don't have to like replace it later on. And then you can upgrade from there with your all encompassing and uh, accumulating knowledge that is uh, about how you play guitar. Yeah, that's really cool, man, that you took that in a direction I didn't expect. And I think it is really cool if you're somebody who's I mean, regardless of what level you play, but especially if you're starting out and maybe you can't play a bunch of changes. And so if you bring something in like a looping device, you can really take a lot of that kind of like need to like perform a succession of changes really quickly or in time and think about really layering things and really take that kind of producer mindset into it. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, I think not a lot of like songs really need more than four chords. It it just needs to be the right timing, the right you know, melodies that like outline those chords. So like you can make a banger with that many or less chords. It's definitely just like a progression and you're going to like want to see what you evolved from like years from now. So I think that like guitarists, yeah, just uh, try it out. Looping, I think was always cool because I would make like really like lovely lush beds of music at like 2 a.m. even in high school with my looping thing. So I have fond memories of that. I 100%. Yeah, it's come so far. And especially if you're using any kind of doll, there's some sort of, you know, looping device and or, you know, you can loop the arrangements and things. So there, there's a lot of a lot of possibility there now. Let's um shift a little bit and tell us about live shows a little bit. You know, how'd you get started performing live? Because I think is for a lot of producers, it's it's a bedroom thing or it's a studio thing. And it's in a lot of cases a big leap to go from I'm in the studio. And I have the ability to kind of really create things kind of almost in a vacuum. And so going live is a completely different direction. Yeah. And I think going live is something that, you know, you may not feel like it's necessary, but it does give you like a whole like opportunity to hear your music extremely loud uh, with the huge venue speakers of any venue that you're playing at, or like, you know, find a way to play it that communicates your message to the audience. And so, um, yeah, it is pretty intimidating, especially because electronic music uses different kinds of instruments. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, I found a nice balance playing my guitar and DJing at the same time. And I was inspired to do this just by by watching bands like uh, Tennyson, when like uh, Mm -hmm. Mm T-E-N-N-Y-S-O-N, when they were a brother and sister duo act and the sister, like Tess would play drums and like uh, Luke would be, Uh, playing the piano and like doing synth stuff i think there's uh ways that people will feel your electronic music live so i just don't feel that like people need to be intimidated by that either but i can totally say that like when you're there for 45 minutes it is pretty scary like having to entertain the whole audience but in those situations i just trust that like the the people in the audience are really 
are very smart and they will understand your music and they will get like the words that come out of your mouth because a lot of electronic music can feel pretty abstract, but I think people feel it much more than like I even sometimes think so. Did you start in the same place that you are currently in terms of the way that you do your live shows? I started more as an like a rhythm guitarist in the rock band that I would that I formed in high school. I think guitar, you know, it is really special to me to be able to express myself through that. And like when you don't look and play guitar, that's really cool because then you're having like what your fingers want to do, or you're like feeling it in some amazing way or something. But yeah, like it's now DJing guitar. Um, it's really fun to bring my vocalists on stage, um, the ones that I've worked with. But yeah, it could I? I'm always like expanding my piano playing, so it'd be nice to bring more like MIDI instruments or some synths on stage. Um, but there's like quite a lot when uh, you have like all the facilities of the DJ, like the Pioneer like four track mixer that I have, and my guitar. I think my guitar is like at this point a voice uh, such that it can like be the sole provider of vibes. But you know, do you know what um, DJ controller you're using? Yeah, the Pioneer SRT8. It's like the $600 one right now. It's very good and it does like a lot of what I need. And I think I might, it's durable. So I haven't need to, needed to replace it or think about um, anything else. I think as long as um, I DJ my stuff in a cool way, I can add using my Ableton Push, for example, or my MIDI keyboard. I think those would be cool places to go to. Nice, yeah. I'm, I'm getting kind of curious about DJ controllers a little bit myself. So I'm mm. just curious. Also, I mean, I guess, you know, it's a little bit in the weeds, but in case there is anybody listening who's thinking about performing, have you, can you talk a little bit about the way that you prepare your tracks? Yeah, and I can totally understand you getting into the turntable stuff because you're coming from a very physical turntable perspective. Mm. So keep me updated on that. Um, yeah, right on. It, it, it would be cool to eventually play a gig where I burn my records or like, scratch them such that like it was that moment and that place in time that I played that gig. You know what I mean? I would say that like a lot of the times I mix multiple of my tracks together such that I don't have to switch uh, tracks a lot, but yeah, a lot of it's just taking out the guitar um, and then making sure I can play those parts live um, in a way that transmits the idea of the song or mm -hmm. builds upon it in a cool new way that people can only just hear that one time. And uh, I also love to do edits to the master. So like putting like a reverse reverb uh, on one of like the snare hits or something like that and making the master its own audio sample source. So I think that I do in Logic when I'm preparing these tracks, but then I also do that live. So it's um, nice to stutter the tracks, to throw effects in it and um, like triggering samples, uh, which I will do more of in my upcoming shows. But yeah, I think my guitar is just something that I want to show people and it's the way that they'll be able to like know where the melodies are framed in my songs. And it's a great connection point for my musician friends to like see like how much I exert to make the song what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's cool. And so when you, do you sometimes bounce tracks to be more like multiple tracks together so that you don't have to switch and so that there's like a continuous, almost like a mix that's being played? Yeah, and it's fun to think about how these tracks would even mix together if it were like a bigger project, an album, or like a like a long song. Sure. And so I love to change them up that way as well, just so I can continue to hear new things from my already released tracks. Really, really dope, man. 
Thanks. That, yeah. And so where are you going with performance? Is the, where, what's the vision that you have, you know, as you, as you progress here? I think the vision that I see in my mind's eye of like the best situation ever is just having like maybe uh, like a whole album show and then mm -hmm. like having uh, the audience could be, you know, anybody that just like is interested in my music or is discovering it for the first time or something like that. But um, it would be lovely to have my collaborators come on stage because I like to have a lot of vocalists for any given project or, you know, synth artists and like my piano friend Owen I mentioned earlier, just having more people participating in the music and then seeing what their perspectives are. Everybody like just being on the same wave with surfing it, you know, all my friends from across the world, I would love to see them in a place that, that I would say they were here because of me. You know what I mean? Let's say I'm a producer and I'm like, well, of course, you know, Wei can go ahead and perform live because yeah, he makes beats, but he also plays guitar. So that gives him the opportunity to play live. And I'm just a producer and I don't play instruments, so I can't perform live. I would say that you're never just a producer because a producer is an infinite term. But at the same time, like people, I've just been to DJ shows and I've vibed out completely. So if you want to just DJ your music, I'll be more than happy to hear your bangers. Yeah. Uh, and I think that like, you know, you can always learn an instrument if you want to, but it's not like music is this one thing. Like, you know, for example, the like there's a whole conversation about white supremacy in uh, classical music, which I think there's tons of, and it's like very important to like have those conversations it's important to change people's view of what music could be so i think put in a little bit of effort by like um like remixing the songs or like showing like what the song's about and i think people will see that effort and even even if you just play the songs i think people want to like relax want to hear good vibes want to dance and that is a very easy it's it's much easier to meet that requirement than like one thinks. I think uh, people are impressed by stuff that you feel may not always be like that amazing, but you know, anything that requires work and vulnerability and artistic expression, I think should be rewarded. I, I try my very best to live up to that ideal. I hear what you're saying. It's sort of like, you know, playing instruments, if you do that, is just one format through which you can, you know, express music live. But however exactly. you make it, you know, you can express it through whatever format you want, you know, and it doesn't need to conform to any pre-existing thing. And yeah. you, may, you may be surprised, you know, how, how people receive when it doesn't in a really positive way. You uh, are already having this expression in a different way. And this is music, our voices, in, mm -hmm. my, in my sort of view. But yeah, just like a listening party for you and your friends or like showing a, a music video for the first time. I think these are all ways that you can like get the satisfying feeling of having your music heard and having your voice heard. And uh, we need to do that for more people. I think it's our responsibility to listen so that we can formulate our response. DJing is cool because you're just like sometimes at a backyard, you're partying, having a drink. That's all you need. And it's as simple as that. And also having a session with your friends where the, the concert is you guys like just making a track. And there's so there's so many formats, like you say, uh, and I think that is why there's so many wave form for like audio formats because everybody just has that new perspective. Before we get in, I have some short little like kind of like some short like short answer whatever you want them to be questions. Mm -hmm. But um, before we get into those, are there any upcoming projects, existing projects you'd like to tell us about and share? Yeah, I think I would love to self promote myself less like everybody else, but I do think I have a track. My song Haji on Tuesday 
is coming out with a music video and you've seen that music video. And I think that I've just really enjoyed working with my friend, Josh Kim. He's an amazing videographer, directed the the thing. Mm -hmm. And my friend Ishan Jawa, my best friend from like way back, like 12 years old kind of vibes. But we just went to Prospect Park and Sunset Park in Brooklyn. And that was just, it's that experience that you get to see on Tuesday. So Haji's music video. And that also helps me feel a little bit better about being separated from Singapore homesickness and all that. Uh, but then there's also my other track, Feathers Yumao, which is um, coming out with my friend Kaleido. And he is a great, great influence of mine. And I've known about his music since 20, 2019, Kaleido, K-A-L-A-I-D-O. Really respect him. He played Gujong, which is a Chinese uh, instrument, kind of like a koto on the song and Feathers Yuma will be like a great summer song for you to cool and relax to and the intricacies in it I'm very proud of and I also had this one guitar take in there that I just left in because I'm just like first take is dope you know what I mean yeah that's what's up man yeah sometimes that's all you need is one then that's like like holy crap that was like a moment in time you know yeah absolutely so everybody listening by the time you hear this both Haji and Feathers will be out so Go stream them, run them up for this guy. Uh, let's get into some That's quick sure. hits, man. Mm-hmm. So let us know what uh what doll do you use? I'm a Logic user. I love to use Ableton, but it is still out of my wheelhouse compared to Logic. Mm-hmm. And also for DJing, I use DJ Pro AI, which is the one that has all the effects on it. Uh, I I have Serato, but I'm not gonna get into that at this time. Right on. I've never heard of DJ Pro AI. Hmm. Go-to sound or instrument? My go-to sound uh, would be like a soft synth or like a very lush sample of a banjo playing with the piano at the same time or a reverse reverbed, um, you know, snare to wow. become become a riser into like the beat. You know what I mean? Like So not a guitar. Wow. Oh, yeah, guitar. But I think like sometimes I want it to be pitched up and that's just what I feel like, you know? No, I hear you. Your go-to plugin? Uh, my go-to plugin probably be massive, just because a quick sampler, I guess, in Logic, just because uh, that's how I run my drums. I usually mix my drums individually, and then like just throwing the sample in there, literally. And then massive is an amazing one. Serum, I've done a lot more sound design in. Oh, I love these instruments so much. Contact, yeah, Contact as a sampler is really cool. There's a lot of programming stuff that you can do in that, but that's um, you know obviously not necessary, but a cool thing to have. And then Spitfire Lab we labs we've mentioned. Uh, I use all of those. I usually most use most of those. Um, I would say like ozone image is good for just with widening things up. Yeah, it really depends on the function because you can use effects as an instrument, but it really like sometimes that's a little bit of cut you're missing the forest for the trees or something like that. Semantics, I would say. Favorite piece of gear? Favorite piece of gear would be oh, my my dual guitars and my other guitar. Oh, so like my Ibanez electric guitar, my PRS custom 24 guitar. Those two are the yin and yang that uh, mm. appear in my life and they represent the positive and negative sides of me, but also they unite in such a, I like that. Uh, yeah, my, my guitars are my light, dude. I, I just feel like so connected to them after so many years now. That's awesome, man. What model Ibanez do you have? My Ibanez, is an S5470, uh, S-Series Prestige. Mm. Uh, and I've had this since 2019, or 2009, I believe, actually. 
Oh, well, um, it's been with you. Yeah, man. indeed. And I was very inspired by Dragon Force at the time. And so mm. I got a similar kind of guitar to Herman Lee. And yeah, it's it's very, it's much easier to play than my uh, PRS, uh, just because of the action and other things like that. But it's its own voice is so genuinely me that I'm just like, you know, you're going to find the guitars that resonate and those are the ones you should buy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Three yeah. producers you think everyone could listen to and you can't use Dilla or Madlib? For sure, Nujabez. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, yeah, he's a really cool one. Um, I love his music, uh, but he's not usually at the forefront of my mind. But I would say Tennyson is a really cool producer. Mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate his music. I would say... You know, Bonobo is always a good name to mention, but um, I, I do want to mention two other guys, two other friends of mine, actually, that deserve more attention, I think. So Alex Martian, he's a crazy house producer. He's got his own sound design. Like he and I connected through a, a label called Night Owl Collective quite a long time ago. So Alex Martian, as if he's from Mars. <laughs> and yeah, and so he's really awesome. He's there's so much I could say about him and he's actually done cover art for me as well. So his visuals are very much in line with his own music and like similarly powerful artillery he's got there. And then, so I said T- Tennyson, Alex Martian, and then I would also say P sus. So P dot S U S of course I would say Toro as well. He's like the fourth guy, but I think since I'm speaking to you, that's like me saying you, yeah, like P sus P dot sus. He's got such a like a happy production style. He's got a really like talented way of playing keyboard and making it just sound so lush. And then he like knows all about the SV404 and all those like like sampling techniques that he can use. And then he also like has just done some sound design stuff in our collaborations together. The most recent of which is called Saint Esquire to be featured on my later album Self Promote Self Promote, but um <laughs> Yeah, P sus, like he does some stuff that I just have no idea what's going on, but I'm like, wow, I this is me, this is what I want, this is what I need. This is the food I should be eating. So P sus, Alex Martian, and Tennyson. Yeah, a pro- like another producer that I've been working with. Sorry to extend this question. I hope no, you that's cool. Not at all, man. Continue. Put me so. Um, but yeah, like Nali N-A-L-I, I think since she's new on the scene, she is only going to be honestly like making her like self-known her presence will be felt it will be like awesome she's a great vocalist producer producer Mm -hmm. vocalist guitarist and she and i worked on our latest single together springtime and she just did the guitar track so well like her her background vocals was awesome like nali alex martian and pisas i think these are three talents um there's so many i can name every one of my collaborators i just like respect so much so that's what's cool about music is you actually have reverence for these people and some sort of way like it's not like oh they did something cool so they made a lot of money like i'm like yo like these people have some sort of thing inside them that is beyond the sheer pragmatism or drudgery of some things in life you know what i mean someone else you think we should talk to on this podcast i think it would be lovely to talk to any of my collaborators i would say kyle mcavoy i've suggested to you off the podcast because he is at the nexus of a lot of different musicians. He's got a lot of personalities um, with his label, Sonder House, his associated chill hop connections. He's got a lot of accomplishments, a lot of organizations, organizational experience. So that would be cool because he's like a label guy. He's like a an artist as well. So he's got like 
a compassionate view towards what we're all struggling with, struggling for and achieving. So Kyle McAvoy for some sort of label thing. Musicbed is a is another company that you and I have talked about, Paru. And I think that it would be good to hear more about the business sides, just because I think like the commercial sync licensing is a great place to make money with music. But you know, with all these gatekeepings and exclusivity things, you know, producer head will get my head out of, you know, we'll get my head in the game, so to speak, in terms of high school musical, but I will like be able to put my head in cloud nine because I'll have a bit more information uh, about the scary things in music, which shouldn't be as scary. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, that's what's up, man. I appreciate those ideas. Those are really cool. And yeah, Jacuzzi a while back had uh, suggested Kyle. So maybe for the, uh, for the next season, we'll bring him around. Indeed, but I do have more suggestions. And the third one, if you would permit me, uh, is uh, Johnny Laxton. Uh, no, well, Johnny Laxton of College Music, uh, because mm-hmm. he just seems to he seems to really uh, support artists even after they've worked with labels for a, a, like a good amount of time. And College Music would be um, a really nice lo-fi adjacent, but hip hop oriented um community label and they've been pretty successful so they'll be hopefully able to um you know bring some insight there yeah i mean these are all great ideas appreciate it mm-hmm. favorite movie my favorite movie um you know because i'm in new zealand i could say the lord of the rings that would be very nice mm-hmm. uh i do love all that fantasy stuff i really um enjoyed like just a lot of movies that make you make you think um at the moment, I I have Midsummer on my brain just because that one was pretty scary, but it's really artistically beautiful. So like that could be what I say today. Um, but yeah, like I think uh, video games are also what I do take a lot of inspiration from. So the ones that like the movies that build a world and like you know encapsulate you in that. Um, yeah, at the moment I'll say Midsummer, but it's uh, it's always changing. Like. Um, so I'll have a new answer for you soon because we're in correspondence. Did you see uh did you see Bo is Afraid? Bo is Afraid? No. No. Okay. So I haven't seen Midsummer, but Bo is Afraid is it came out in the last few months and it's the same the same guy who made Midsummer. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. so, so it's a pretty yeah, I won't say anything more. It's it's a very unique and kind of wild movie. Um I'll let you and every anybody listening here decide for themselves what they think of that. I'm not here to uh, to steer that one, but I would say it's an interesting movie to watch at least once. For sure, I'm up for a, increasing my heart rate occasionally. If you know what I mean. <laughs> right on. All right, man. Last question. You made it. If you were here, if you were to do one thing that would break the internet, what would it be? Oh, well, what a pleasure to have been on your podcast for the fifth episode. I must say, though, um, uh, right on, but if I would do something, it would be amazing to create a huge hanging gardens uh that like you know has the sort of gravitas of fkj's performances uh like you know the one where he's like in this open space and there's like water everywhere um i would love to just have a really cool video with a lot of plants and music and um hopefully it would be playing one of my many hits that um would allow people to just stop and stare and then consider um you know sitting down for a relaxing session if you know what i mean right on man yeah feels like that's something you can make happen 
For sure. And then the release of my OnlyFans would be the second now. <laughs> uh, the real answer comes out. Indeed. No, it's the, you know, the calm before the storm. No, I have no plans for that. Nor should I be. But yeah, like, I think, you know, every, like, all things are work. Some things are dead, like sex work is work for sure. But I'm more of the hanging gardens at the moment kind of a guy. Right on, man. So... And thanks again so much for your time, man. Where can everybody go find you? Where do you want to send people to go check out and connect with what you're working on? You know, when Tor and I release a beat, that would be a good place just because that would have like a Spotify link uh, and stuff like that. In due but time. yeah, in due time, um, my handle is music of W-E-I, music of way is how it's pronounced. Um, so that would be a nice way for the social media side of things. And then like, Spotify, of course, W-E-I. It's just my name way there. Um, yeah, I think that like my recent track, uh, St. Esquire and like springtime will give you a very nice like view of my sound. And I think as long as you like it, then feel free to engage with it. Right on. You guys heard it here at Music of Way, W-E-I on Instagram and on Spotify, Way, W-E-I. Go check this man out. Man, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely appreciate it, Taru. And you're exploring new waves with this. I just can't wait to hear more of the episodes as you start rolling them out. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for coming through on another episode of Producer Head. We will catch you again soon. Peace. Cheers. That's it for this episode of Producer Head. I appreciate you coming through and being a part of it. My hope is that it helps you unlock a bit more creativity and find progress in a way that matters to you. Before we go, there are three simple and zero-cost ways to support the Producer Head podcast. One, tap in and subscribe or follow wherever you're listening, whether it be Spotify or Apple. Two, if you haven't already, drop a review on Apple or Spotify, maybe both if you're feeling it. The feedback is appreciated and helps me continue to do what's working while improving along the way. Three, send this episode to one person who would enjoy it. Do not underestimate the power of word of mouth. The most old school of methods are often the most effective. Finally, let's stay connected. I regularly share ideas that help me develop my creative process, along with music recommendations and even give away free music and sample packs. Head to torubeat.com, T-O-R-U-B-E-A-T.com and sign up to receive all of these things and stay up on all things producer head. You can also stay connected with me and the podcast at torubeat, T-O-R-U-B-E-A-T on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. The theme music is one of my own songs. It is called Room to Breathe and available now on all streaming platforms. Again, for real, thank you so much for being here with me. And I look forward to catching you in the next episode of Producer Head. This has been Toru. And in a way, so are you. Peace.